Rick Madison here, Rick and Friends. Thanks for listening. And uh, this is a regular guest. And, and the reason, well, many things. He uh, He's well-read. He's thorough. He fact-checks, I'm sure. And uh, he's not afraid to share an opinion. And I think that's probably the part I love the most, to be honest. So uh, back in the studio, Jeff Cox, welcome. Thanks for having me. So Jeff, will uh, what's your current state of mind here? We're we're in August. Um, like, are you feeling good? You feeling tentative? I know there's a few things happening in the world, but uh, how how are you? Like, it's like how- the dog days of summer right now. You know, I didn't want to say this this morning, but I did say it. I'm like I'm almost ready for summer to end, but I just very oh. fearful to say that. <laughs> I know. Oh no, I know. No people come here for this. They yeah. come here. They they subject themselves to that kind of. No, I heat. see the Alberta plates. <laughs> oh, there's lots of them, hey. Yeah, and actually, it's funny. I haven't uh, done my rant yet, but the camping in the left lane on Ben Volan mm-hmm. has got to stop. Like the, <laughs> just that that. I'm gonna stay pace with my right hand car just in case they outpace me or like that is really that's a pet peeve of mine. I had to go to Vancouver for the weekend and forget being down there because that's a whole other level. But um, the Cocala coming back connector going there and back, um, it's a grind right now for sure. It is a lot of construction, just obviously with everything that they've they've had to do to get that place operating. Which I will not give that government credit for a lot of things, but I will say they've managed that Mm. very well. Um, I think the transport minister is well-spoken, well-versed. I think he's done a very good job. Um, and, and that is true. I mean, we do, we do take pleasure in, in taking pot shots. It's our, at our, uh, at our NDP government, but, but for the most part, I I mean, that was a a huge, uh, undertaking Mm -hmm. and, and again, they knew how much of a conduit that, that highway is for us to get goods and everything else. And they just, put everything at it. And I, I do commend them for that. They were probably backed up five to seven kilometers going to Vancouver last night. After you come out of Merritt, so you climb and then come down and you cross the creek before you start climbing where the fires were. And there's only there's only one bridge open somewhere. It's like short of um, where the old toll booth used to be. Okay. And, and but but again, I think they're doing the best job they can do. To to be really honest, like I I don't have any. I mean, the fact that place is functioning is is uh, is somebody deserves some credit. And and I would have to put it with the Rob right Fleming. Is that the transport yeah. minister? Yeah, yeah, that, that rings a bell. Good. Yeah, well spoken, well versed. Got it. Got it running. And I and again, doesn't seem to be about him, unlike some other ministers in that. But anyway, um, yeah, you know what? Credit. It's busy. It's summer. It's the way it is. Um, so you saw the fires uh, along the highway? No, this is. Remember last year? Like they came. Oh, I don't know how. Okay. Like last gotcha. year they came down and burnt out kind of this side of of the old the old toll booth. Okay, that's right. One of those bridges they've lost, and so that's where they go to. They go to single lane about three times. Um, and that was the only area. I it just appeared the traffic coming out of the valley going going home last night had had. Brought him to a crawl. Probably five kilometers of of bumper to bumper, two lane that goes down to one lane. So, and and I do wonder if if there's going to be any sort of uh, change. Speaking of you know sea level and and lake level, when it comes to that whole valley there and and what had happened with the rains, I wonder if there's going to be any kind of new idea or thought process around. Are we going to change what is essentially floodplain um, and and maybe build other pump houses or emergency or like if they're going to actually try to address what potentially could be a future event. It, and, and it did 
it does appear that they are going to make some significant changes to that highway moving forward. I don't know what I, I don't, I've not looked at any of the details, but as we drove there and back and this first time I've driven that since, um, since it's been closed, um, it appears they're going to make some pretty significant changes to the way it will be, it, they will manufacture that road moving forward, which, which, but again, it goes back to, you just hit a point. So, uh, it's amazing to me that, that the Fraser Valley floods, right? And which, which for the record, it, it, it naturally should have five feet of water on it, or it's a floodplain. Like, yeah. like we purposely put a dike up to stop that from happening, ignored it for a hundred years. And then are like, can you believe this? And I'm like, really? Like yeah. I, there are functions of this that, and, and again, that I'm, I will be, I'm not going to sit neutral, but again, on this one, I'm going to say, not going to put it totally on today's government. Like how no, have no. we for how many years looked at this and not paid attention to it? That, that there's billions of dollars of assets sitting on those planes and we thought it was okay not to have a full-time, you know, dike and, and, and dredge system. Like I, it's mind blowing to me. And then, and then we stand around, this is climate change or we're morons. Like yeah. it could be one or the other. Well, I, I did have the uh, pleasure of speaking with uh, Mike Jacobs from Emil Anderson. And he was talking about the, I don't know, 80 year rain that, uh, that basically precipitated the event. And and again, I'd, I'd be misquoting, but he says maybe within 24 hours, what's normal is, or, or even not normal, an anomaly would be 60 to 80 mil. And, and again, don't quote me on any of this, but so that was the high point. And then it was like 224 within 24. Like it, it was something ridiculous like that. And, and that's why you had such, you know, a catastrophe. But again, further to your point, which is it's actually a major food source for BC. Like that whole valley is a, is a bounty for us and we need to protect that. And I do think the any insurance company, and you're from insurance so you would know this, might have put a little bit of pressure saying, hey, we got you this time, but you better figure this out. Yeah, I would agree with you totally. <laughs> like, Just as as hum, as a as a society, surely we can understand that when you go and dike something that large, that every couple hundred years we're bound to see something that's going to destroy yeah. what, what 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 we've done, and we've got a plan for it. You know, I think that's a part that just blows me away. Is that we stood back and went, I can't believe this happened. And I'm mm. like, I can. You know what I mean? Like. You looked at the facts and you're like, well, wait a second here, right? I was unaware till it happened that, that that was the scenario, that that was a floodplain and that there should be five feet of water on it all the time. Yeah. It's probably why stuff grows there so well. Yeah, could be. <laughs> so again, staying with the insurance thing, just because we can. Um, I had uh, Lee Turner in here and, and he was chatting about, now he's a, a personal injury lawyer, so he has, you know, has a dog in the fight, so to speak. But he was talking about um, Saskatchewan's hybrid system, which I found an interesting subject, and we didn't dive into it enough. And because of your your experience with the insurance sector, in Saskatchewan, the way I understand it is you can choose what you want. So no fault, which is considerably lower. Yep. If you want to choose to, no, I, I, I want, you know, I don't even know what the system would be called, but I want this other system where I can actually you know, appeal my process or, or use the legal system or whatever, um, you can choose that and you can pay more premiums in order to, depending on what system mm -hmm. you want. So that seems, but that's not available in 
BC. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, is that a system we could even approach? And, and perhaps it would be a uh, Kevin Falcon-led government uh, that we would look at. But is that kind of... Would it be crazy to say that we could actually repeal this no fault and and maybe get a hybrid system going? I mean, for the record, my only connection to this side of the business is through osmosis, so I'm not I'm not licensed or an expert in it at all. Just just to be clear, um, but like common sense would say, based on the the multiple stories that hit the news on a pretty much regular basis, that this isn't working. Um, I think I think you I would. Maybe David Eby would argue till he falls over that it is, but I think he'd probably be one of the few. I mean, there's been so many people that have fallen through the cracks already. There is some concern about where this is going and what's going to happen. Could you imagine, though, if we actually, you know, looked around Canada or, for that matter, North America or the world and said, what are other people doing and how is that working? It seems like we're pretty isolated, though. Mm -hmm. I think right around the Rockies, the world shuts down. Like, I don't think anyone has internet. Like, <laughs> Well, and you said this. I mean, I remember you were telling me a story about when you moved here. And you're like, yeah, you went into an, you went into a broker. And I was like, yeah, shop me. And they're like, yeah, you know, there's no shopping here. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it proved, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know how long we are going to go in society where we believe the governments are better at doing something than private enterprise. I mean, there's just like, I, like, you know, I wish this was a phone-in show because I would love to hear somebody come in and say, oh yeah, this was the time it worked out better, right? Zero percent of the time. And, and again, I think when people talk about privatization, especially in Canada, because it's like, it's just this like, Horrible word. Oh, money hungry, evil people. Capitalists. Capitalists. These (laughs) freaking capitalists, you know, they're going to, they're going to, it's, like that's not the intention. There are so many levels of of opportunity for privatization in insurance and in healthcare that still provide social safety nets. You can create not for profits. Um, you can set what we call reasonable and customary standards if you get into healthcare about what a hospital can charge. It, 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 the fact that you cannot deny someone coverage. So you could have a level of government that says, "Hey, this is it." go out and and function within our w- w- within these bounds right so the actual operations do not have to be ran by bureaucracies and governments which is clear in our in our in our in ICBC world it's clear in our healthcare world and I, I mean it applies at all levels right you don't you can still have a socialized system that has privatized components which is what you're talking about a hybrid model of choice in insurance in healthcare you know, these are things pay, that, pay as you play. Yeah. And, and I think it was interesting. I did a, I had to do a presentation at a ICBC conference and, uh, I got to hear the, I guess the so-called propaganda, um, of ICBC. And they were saying, man, we, we've saved people a lot of money. We have, we are basically champions of insurance premiums. And, uh, I heard that that came out of their mouths and I was like, Hmm, interesting. Okay. Well, Apparently, you haven't been to Alberta. Apparently, you haven't traveled anywhere because for me, coming from Alberta, that was actually, it was much higher. And and you could have multiple vehicles with one insurance policy. That was the other thing mm-hmm. that killed me. So that just cuts down any kind of, well, my car collection would probably involve like a 70 Nova, not fixed <laughs> up, a little rust on the panel. But still, I would have more than one car, and it would probably help a lot of industries if we had that 
that kind of multiple insurance setup. Because I know a lot of guys that would love to have more than one car, but to pay insurance on each car and you don't drive it, that drives you nuts. Yeah, I I mean, there's one example of, of many that could change um, about about the way ICBC works. I mean, I mean, again, this goes back to to the the reality of the last Liberal government and Christy Clark, who who unfortunately was using it to balance the books. Which, yes. and again, but again, there's a challenge. You talk, people get all concerned about privatization. Well, you're telling me that's better, right? That 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 we're robbing Peter to pay Paul because we're we're we can live with our insurance premium, so we're going to fund it other places. Uh, again, there's some transparency that should happen at a provincial level um, that that's just not happening. But the no fault is not working. Let's let's be honest. There's just turn on any news outlet at any time, and you can hear multiple stories about people that are falling through the cracks. Something's got to change from where it is today. So if you don't mind, we're just gonna we're just gonna throw some ideas around, okay? We're just gonna throw some ideas around with uh, Mr. Cox here. Uh, forest management. So again, we're we're speaking about. Uh, I'm actually going to be traveling to North Dakota of all things and speaking to uh, some representatives from, from their forest management side, a lot of innovative practices, like uh, spending a lot of money on proactive programs that help them ease this forest fire threat that seems to constantly consume BC anyway, um, spacing trees, uh, taking, you know, the trees from the interface, uh, changing the, uh, into more deciduous trees that are that are grown in different regions. Um, any any thoughts or, or feelings about you know? Is there more we can do? Mind blown by some stats I heard last week that that one um, almost our entire fighter fighting crew is seasonal. So so despite this is seems to me one of the biggest threats that we have to our especially if you live here um, to our to our society and our population that we only we only reactively respond to forest fires. We don't have a full-time crew. Second piece is um, forest fires, uh, forest, forest f- firefighters, forest firefighters, that's tough to say. It is tough. Um, um, are grossly underpaid in comparison to municipal firefighters. So so you can, you can double or sometimes triple your wage to leave a seasonal forest fighting job and join a municipal um, firefighting service. They are also the only group that um, does not have the ability to retire at the age of 50. Their their pension um, is pushed till 55, so there's a five-year difference. So there's a ton of advantages to leave um, forest fighting and go to go to municipal uh, firefighting source. In fact, so much so, you would argue that as soon as you got a, a, a year oh, under your belt, you're gone. 100%. Right. And yet, very rarely does a house and down around me. I'm not saying firefighters are not. I'm just saying it's a much more... See, and, and, and that's the problem I have is we have to be so careful with what we say about firefighters. But the, the, the thing is, statistically, with fire suppression, I mean, I've heard of firefighters that didn't go to one structure fire during their entire career. Right. Like, they went to a lot of fender benders and they might have used the jaws of life once. But for the most part, they were not actually... Um, there to to deal with a structure fire no no and they're and they're i don't i'm not they're needed i'm not that's not even up for debate but if they're needed how are we ignoring how do you not have a crew in british columbia full time so again one of the other stats is something like like 95 percent of the crew chiefs this year are new to the job oof right and i don't care how good you are if you're new as a crew chief 
and and nine and a half out of 10 of them have never been a crew chief before, like you're going to make mistakes. I don't care how, like no matter how good you are, those, that's an experience, like those are not, that's not, you don't read a book and go fight fires. That's an, that you learn that as you go. And so I am just amazed that we would continue to ignore um, the, and again, this is, this is their own union. This is, this is them speaking out saying, Hey, and I, again, I, listen, I'm not, I, when, when the brothers and sisters get together, I'm not the first to listen in this scenario. I was like, this is pretty realistic. I, how have we not responded if it's so important, which then leads you to a, to a bit of a conspiracy theory to say, do they like it in the sense that it then gets to promote this inaction, this action on climate, climate change, action, right? right? And so if forest fires keep burning, it's easier to charge and justify $3 a liter for gas, right? And, and again, I know some people listen and go, well, that's extreme. Okay. Well, it's not that extreme because, because if you're ignoring it, well, may, maybe there is something there, right? And, and that becomes the question. So I want to go off of that point, which is the fact that you have, uh, people that are seasonal. So, and, and I, I love the fact that you're drawing attention to this, which is to know the terrain, to know the way the winds blow through a certain valley, to know the the type of trees you're dealing with, to know how much fuel is on the floor. Like, again, I, I don't know enough about forest or forest fighter, you know, these these forest fires and how to, how to create a fire break or any of that stuff. But the one thing I was reading last night in a, an internal magazine for forestry was they are having trouble with the fact that we are the first to call out out of province firefighters. We bring them in. Yep. They don't know again that they know how to f maybe fight a fire, but they don't know the terrain. This is not, you know, this is not their lands. And again, we, we turn away private contractors that have big, heavy machines. We, we turn away those people that can actually fundamentally indigenous. They turn away, and they say, no, it's insurance, it's liability, it's exposure to risk. But again, you know, you're flying these other people in and from out of province, and we're not, we're not giving back to the people that could fundamentally help us fight a fire who know the terrain. That's the other part that bugs me. They know, they know this area. This is their backyard. And, and yet we, we said, no, no, uh, let us handle and And they can respond quicker than somebody coming from out of province, I'm sure. And to go further, like why, and again, I don't know this world at all. I, I just, as a, as a citizen, sit on the sidelines and go, this doesn't really seem like common sense to me, right? So again, why would you not have, so, so first of all, you have areas in the province that are more susceptible to fires than others. Um, so obviously you're going to go into heavily, you're going to go into those, those areas are going to be more heavily manned, I would, I would think, and woman. I don't know if there's a sort of culturally right. Well, there's some pronouns probably yeah. somewhere. My point is you're going to, you're going, why, why would you not have, why would you not have assigned areas? So, so why do we not have 1500, uh, firefighters, um, that are not seasonal, that are, that are full-time firefighters that, that take care of this province in sections. So obviously this area is very prone to fires. Semi-arid. So, yeah. Right. Um, it appears as you go north and there are areas that also, um, are, are more likely to see those fires. So why would, why, why would they not, why would they not work it 365 days a year, identify where they're going to have challenges, identify where they can do winter burns, identify where they can clear 
brush. Like I, I would be willing to bet that if we did that for five years, we would not have the challenges or even remotely close to the, to the amount of fires that we're seeing year in and year out. And I would also bet that the cost would be significantly lower. Even if you had to pay 1500 firefighters, a hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, plus equipment, plus those things. I mean, the budget, let's say you had a budget of $300 million a year, which sounds astronomical, but in the government eyes, it's not. I mean, Justin Trudeau gives away a billion dollars to his buddies all the time. So surely we can find 300 million for firefighters in this province for the threat we have for five years. I bet you we'd end up ahead of the game than what we've spent in the last five years being reactive. So my thought is this year, I can't remember what that was, but let's say it was 14 fires are burning right now, 224 were last year, same time last year. Yep. So are we taking any of the money that we're saving by not having this, you know, terrifying fires that are, uh, and, and some are, you know, again, interface fires that we have to pay attention to, but are we taking any of that money that would have last year went to, you know, staving off these fires, are we not earmarking that for potential proactive, you know, forestry management practices? Like, that's the question I would ask government is, okay, so we saved a bit this year, we had a wet, very wet, colder spring, which leads you to the fact that, hey, I think we're, we're not going to have as much, hopefully, knock on wood. Um, but let's take some of that money. Let's let's do something innovative with it so that people feel like someone's got the rudder. But that's what I'm saying. Let's let's stop being reactive to this and start proactively saying our budget for fight for forest, our budget for forest, which which again, whether it funds at a crown or or I don't know who where this where this works, but the reality is it's here is X amount of dollars and 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 it's a twelve it's a twelve month year program. Like you can fight fires in December by making changes to the way they clean up brush, the way they cut, they cut, they can cut forestry lines, the way they can create forestry roads. Like, like there are some very smart women and men in the fort, or the, at least there were. I mean, if I go back to when I was a kid or a teenager, forestry was a very prominent part of our life here. And Maybe it's just the change or where I am socially, all those things. It just does not seem to have the, I mean, I went to a forestry camp as a kid, right? You had the hat and the badge, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) But all I'm saying is I, I, this appears to me that it needs a full-time minister. And then again, from there, it needs full-time management. And again, I think go back to the stats I talked about, about part-time and, and, and in comparison to other firefighters in the, in, in the provinces, it just doesn't make sense. What's interesting to me, though, is when they, when they take down a tree or harvest a tree, that's money. Like, it's not like it's, it's going somewhere wasteful. Like, I mean, that, that will be trimmed down. It'll go to a mill and it'll be created into a product. Like, it's not like we're cutting off, I don't know, like something very wasteful that it's it's literally going to go into water or into the landfill. Like it's literally going to be utilized for benefit. That's the other part I don't get is there's a, and and I had Rob Selby on who's, who's part of a manufacturer who says, yeah, like there's, there's money behind trees and he gets the old growth conversation and he, he wants to be respectful, but he's, he was on the show and he was very gun shy about even talking about harvesting trees, which is the weird part. And I, I get it in BC. We have a lot of people that are very passionate about this space, but you got to start thinking whatever we're doing is not working. 
Well, I think that's what it comes back to. Whatever we're doing is not working. And then again, go back to be, what's the proactive approach. So when I was 20, tree planting was something you did in the summers. That was mm-hmm. like a job my friends had. And, I, and so I'm going, okay, besides, I'm sure that still exists, but like, what about like, again, more into forest management, tree planting, cleanup, as you've talked about, um, I, there's a much either we're not being educated on it, but I doubt that's it because, because if they spend a dollar, they're going to tell you. So, so the question becomes, what, what are we going to change so that we don't, we don't end up in this place? And as you said, you just need to look outside our walls and realize that there's other parts of the world that have had force management. Germany's done a very good job at front, I understand, mm-hmm. haven't looked at it in depth. Um, but, but again, why are we having these challenges here? Because we're being reactive, bottom line. I, I do think Germany's burning or harvesting trees for warmth because <laughs> Russia's kind of shut down the pipeline. <laughs> So let's go a little bit more federal right now. Let's talk about the conservative leadership race, which is heated up. Um, what do you think about, uh, you know, a couple of different candidates not making it to the debate? Like just basically saying, you know what, we've debated enough. We need to get on back on the campaign trail. Is that good, bad? Like, I, I wonder about that strategy because, again, I, I don't know enough about it, but it, it seemed from the optics that's an interesting choice. Yeah, I, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think that could have gone either way, going back a couple of weeks. But when 300 people uh, tune in at the height, uh, and that's what it was. There was 300 attendees on YouTube that watched the conservative debate, this last debate. Looked like they were sitting at a card table. I think Pierre made some kind of joke about that. It was embarrassing. It really was embarrassing. Um, it appears that both Leslie and Pierre have ended up on the right side of this. Now, I still think there was a risk to that because that – that could have gone the other way. It didn't, which they may have made their numbers and went, nah, I'm, we're not going. Well, Stephen Harper saying, you're the guy. Which apparently I've heard as of late is backfiring. Nanos is saying that didn't help. That didn't help Pierre. Uh, really? In fact, it could have hurt him. And, and again, I don't, I mean, I, I think it's tough to say. I think for any staunch conservative right now, especially after the last seven years, Stephen Harper looks godlike. You he know does. what I mean? Well, he does. He, he has a calculator. Sure. Yeah. And and so, but I think that's not the group uh, that 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 Pierre was trying to attract. It's it's can he step out into this center, uh, left leaning center, um, and take votes? Um, and maybe maybe he maybe he's not seen in a favorable light in that sense. And so maybe that is maybe that is a challenge. He, Stephen may have just um, reiterated what 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 most conservatives already made a decision on, and it might not have spoken to, to a group um, that, that needs to change the way they look at it. I do think when he, and, and again, I'm guessing, but I, I do think if, if he wins the leadership and if he uh, wins the office, I think he would moderate a bit. Oh, he has to moderate a bit. And he's going to, ha- listen, I, and I'm with you. And, and you know, we've, I, th- I think we're going here, so I'm going to ruin it a little bit. Like, there's election coming in the fall. I mean, anybody, any insider says they're gonna, we're going to see a fall election, which, sign me up, right? Oh, I'm all in. All in. Can't wait. But I will say this. You're right. If Pierre does get the seat, which everything points to that he is, although in today's, that means nothing. But let's say Pierre gets in. Pierre has got a few things to clean up if he's going to take a serious run at Justin Trudeau. Mind-blowing to me because I would think anybody that could sit upright could beat Justin Trudeau right now. But um, that's not the case. He's going to have to He's going to have to divide himself from, you know, the crypto 
crypto oh, yeah. craziness. Didn't, the, didn't like that. No, a lot of people don't. It's a very, very complicated world. I actually don't think Pierre's wrong. I actually think we should be looking at investing in that area. But you've got to, that is still very much the Wild West. The, the, the reality of crypto is crypto is the internet in 1994. And, and, and you know, we had silk dial up in 1994. My husband was one of the few people that had access to the internet. My dad is a bit of a tech tech guy that way. So we had the internet early and it was dial up and we used it to look at naughty pictures of Pamela Anderson. And, and, and the reality is no one in 1994 thought that, we would be doing banking on a computer that fit in my hand called an iPhone, um, and I would I could e-transfer money immediately. And that's where crypto is. Crypto is 1994 of the internet, and so we got a long way to go. I don't think Pierre is wrong, but but it's way too early for the masses to have that conversation. Not to mention, listen, he's got to he's got to. Again, I'm I've I've said this. I'm not. I wasn't in Ottawa, but like I get what the challenges were. I mean, I was fatigued on this government, despite the fact I was fully vaccinated and, and we've had this discussion. I don't have any, but I understand why people are frustrated. And and yet he's going to have to find his way to create a bit of gap there too. Um, he's got a handful of things he's going to win this that he's going to have to figure out where he stands on. And I think he's going to have to take a hard stance. I think he's been able to skirt the the abortion challenges that that are mm. that are facing the world right now, mostly driven by the U.S., but he's going to have to take a stand on it, and he's going to have to come out and say it's not for debate, and and I'm pro-choice, and and stop. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm not. I'll never waver on it. He's got some core functions. He's going to have to change if he's going to beat them. I, I'm. It's some kind of unfortunate, but 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 very much where where it's going to lie. So going off the crypto discussion. Um, and, and the fact that he might be drawn in, and this is a question I asked him uh, on a podcast available now on Cloner. <laughs> um, but it was a question I asked about conservatives have, like them or lump them, they, they do attract a certain extreme element. Yep. And, and th- these are people that will draw you into conversations that fundamentally, and, and again, it should be part of the conversation, absolutely, but does it have to take up most of the resources and space of, of discussion and topic? And there's so many priority. And, and again, I guess a lot of people would say, this is a priority or this is a, depending on where they are in life. But I do think for conservatives to rise above uh, a liberal government, federal government, they really have to kind of watch where they go into the ditches because some of those issues are just, there's no winning. You're going to, it's such a, a volatile hot potato that I don't think any of them to be drawn into that fight, you're not going to leave unscarred. Yeah, but you have more challenges than that. I mean, you you how do you skirt those issues when you have a federal government giving $6 billion to legacy media to go ask those questions? And then further that, $1.5 billion going to the CBC, which is, I mean, for lack of better terms, it's it's state it's it's a state owned it's China I mean I mean sincerely I mean we got to stop pretending it's not I mean these are this is not the days of Peter Mansbridge um, on 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 the news desk here right mm-hmm. like you know um, we we that that has become an absolute propaganda machine for the liberal government. And so, and, and ask Rex Murphy, who, who I used to thoroughly enjoy watching do his crazy piece mm-hmm. on the national and, and now has said they've lost their mind. And, and again, that's, 
So, which is very dangerous for him to say so. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, from his standpoint, I mean, he's probably one of the all-time best reporters I, I have respect for. And, and again, for him, the, the checkbook that, that the liberals are writing for media is just astronomical. Like, I mean, it is. Yeah. And, and you know what, what I'm, I mean, not that I know Rex's net worth or, or, or that, that even drives him because, you know, Rex might be in a point in his life where he's like, I can't do this anymore. Oh, I'm not going to lie. hundred yeah. percent. And, and I think good for him because that, that is what we need in life. You know what I mean? I, I the other one is, I mean, um, you know, it's too bad Conrad Black's tainted with, with his past history because he's a great writer and he he's is. got great points. I need an encyclopedia to read one of his articles because it's like every fourth word. I'm like, I don't understand what Conrad's saying. But the reality is that like, listen, Rex comes out and says what he says. Going back to your point, that's what the conservatives have to overcome is how do you, you're not fighting the the, the federal liberals. You're fighting the federal liberals that fund $6 billion of legacy media and they directly tie the purse strings to help people report. That's not even hidden anymore. Yeah. I mean, and then to go even further, inside that, you have another of that, you have $1.5 going to a true state media that is truly out to promote, promote liberal propaganda. I mean, that's the extreme of what the conservatives have to overcome. I, I wish that there was a way to compile all of the reporting in the last couple of years and just some of the dire predictions about where we would be, how many people would be hospitalized how many people would be mounting grave sites like mass grave sites like i mean it was it was truly extraordinary what we went through with yeah and if you don't if you don't get this vaccination you will be a statistic like what, that that stuff why why listen everyone and again i'm not even a fan but but all i hear is people going after joe joe rogan joe rogan joe first of all he's he's on a private you can only get them on spotify so you have to actually download it to get it right it's not like it's not like it's it's it's, it's mass media on yeah. channel eight like like i mean you've got to go source it out first of all yeah but everyone talks about how extreme and how and and the lies that joe rogan essentially lays on on the world and i would argue that rosemary barton does the exact same thing on the other side the only difference is she's being paid by government to do it and the only difference is he actually has people that tune in because they want to listen. She gets 300,000 viewers at the best of times, which is like disgusting when you think of the money that they get paid to do the national. I mean, the, the, if you want to go after him, then go after her because it's just as extreme on the other side of it. And and that's the thing. I like, I'm not one where they're not like a diehard. I mean, at least Joe is an entertainer. She claims to be, she claims to be, um, promoting the news or, or reporting the news he doesn't even claim that he's just he's just a he's just says hey i'm a comedian and this is my take and he never knew it would get this big right that's what he keeps saying right he's like, I, I had no idea and she's out actually pretending to be a journalist and never knew that it would be that small i mean in all honesty if you want to fact check go fact check her side by side and tell me which one dings the bell first i almost guarantee it's her Okay, so now, now we got Mr. Cox on hyperdrive here, We're which hot. we we, lo we love here. it. We love Why does this always happen when I come see you? <laughs> um, well, I, I'm just going to poke the bear a little bit more here, which is uh, there's there's this thing called emergency. It's an emergency, so we we have to do things that that stem the emergency. Our provincial health office is still has not rescinded the emergency for public health. 
So, um, and, and again, uh, it's the only province and I have not fact checked. And if somebody wants to email me, they can, but here's the thing. This is one of those things where we're the only province to my knowledge that still has that order still in the bag. And, and that worries me. To, to say the least, it it doesn't seem to make any sense if we're the only province still hanging on to this. Yeah, and I don't actually don't know statistically if we are either, but um, I'll take your word that that you heard that somewhere. So let's run with it. But and my bigger concern about all of that or this is 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 something I was told right from the right right from from the first time I could speak. And that's that don't cry wolf because, because what happens is you're actually going to need help one day and somebody's not going to come running. And, and I think the fear that I have around this situation is when you constantly tell society that, that, that it's this urgent when it's actually urgent, um, no one's going to listen. I, I, I think I've said this to you before is like my biggest fear right now about society is we actually have a serious, serious pandemic. And no, we on COVID was serious. We had, we had, there were times when it was very concerning, mm-hmm. very concerning about what was going on. Especially when we, we had a lack of data. Right. Uh, when it first right. came in. Right. Nobody knew. Nope. And there were, there were some things that, you know, people with common sense would say like, well, okay, we don't live like Europe. We are, we are not morbidly obese like the U.S. We don't smoke like the, like there, like again, if you had, it was like, so maybe it's not going to hit us the way it's going to hit us. But listen, there was severity. People died. This is a serious deal. That being said, it, it, it has turned into this fear game. And I think the concern is when you continually tell people we're in a state of emergency, the next time we actually need to be in a state of emergency, people aren't going to listen. And that's the biggest concern, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, is that if she doesn't, or they don't dial it back now and let people have a little break, um, that when we actually, actually have something we need to be worried about, it's, it's not, it's, a, it's the monkeypox situation right now too. I mean, it's become a standing joke. And I have no idea if it's serious or not because I couldn't sort decipher if it is or it isn't because again, Rosemary Barton is talking about about you know that we all need to fear it, and then you get on Twitter and and somebody's poking fun of it, and trying to sort through it is half the challenge, right? And, so. and I do think that that's uh, happened as a result of of uh, COVID is a lot of people are starting to question the channels, the messaging, and the narrative given to them um on media well and, for good reason yeah and, and and they're and and good on them they're they're trying to go okay what where do i go to try and figure out what's true and what's not because because people still want to know but they're like where where am i going to get the, that kind of information again and maybe it's maybe it's not a rebel news or something is there another standalone that actually doesn't have ties to the corporate world or, or anything else that they can actually trust or state-sponsored Ben, I've, and I'll listen, I've said this on this show and I'll say it again. The day I lost faith in any kind of legacy or mainstream media was during that Freedom Convoy. Because I literally sat there and went, okay, what's going on here? And I will ne- I was out of the country and I actually had the ability to access CBC. So I was watching CBC on the television. I'm quite sure it was Mercedes Stevenson who was reporting um, that that a group was, was destroying the war memorial. Mm-hmm. At the exact same time, I was on uh, online and I was watching, I'm quite sure, Postmillennial True North, and they were actually showing video. 
So she was talking about an extremist group of people that were destroying the war memorial and talking about that what they were doing, the tyranny that was happening. And I was actually watching it live on a streaming channel, either post post millennial or true North. And it was a bunch of guys that were using, um, that were using shovels and brooms to clean it up. They were very, very, um, uh, with, with, with a lot of pride, removing the fence. They then, they then built their own, um, human wall around it and said, no one, no one will, no one will, 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 trespass, will yeah. trespass here. Like, and again, and that was the day that I went, oh, this is over. Like it's, it was done for me. I, I went, I never again mm-hmm. will I be able to go down the path of legacy media. So, so let's, we try to be locally focused, but we go on tangents, you know how we get. Um, and I wanted to talk a bit about, um, Mr. Mr. Bazran, uh, put out a safety video, came under some, uh, there was some controversy surrounding it saying, Hey, he's usually, he's using public funds to promote himself. Um, and again, I I think just my own personal and, and, Full disclosure: I worked on his first campaign. Um, I there the the lines blur going into an election of what you can and cannot do. Um, safety is obviously going to be a huge issue for elections, and again, I think uh, it was leveraged, no question, uh, because he's certainly on the campaign trail. But I don't know. I this this one I'm stuck on because it's. It was clearly profiling the mayor, but it's something like, where do you stop? Where do you draw the line before an election? Like when, when do you stop using public funds to be the mayor? I, I, I don't know. It's a, that's a tough one. And I'm not giving him a free pass. I mean, listen, I think he should be scared for his job right now. I don't think there's a candidate that's come out that's going to challenge him yet. Um, but but when you, and this is a challenge, I, I don't, I think it's out of the control of our municipal government, but, but to be ranked number one in crime per capita in Canada, like, I don't know if you've been to Portage, Maine and Winnipeg, or for that matter, Thunder Ooh. Bay, or for that matter, Oshawa, well, or Prince George. People or, in, there's parts of Edmonton I wouldn't even walk in. I yeah. was in one of them a week ago. And that's my point, Rick, is like, and I'm not taken away from, I'm just like, those, there's some hard parts of this country. Like... If, if, if you have not been in the wrong side of Winnipeg, it's a very scary place to be. So for us to be rated, uh, the, the per, per capita, the, the highest, the highest, not 10th, not fifth, not 35th, the number one spot. And then number two in violent crime, only a Thunder Bay. And again, my family's from a small town, not far from Thunder Bay. There are some tough parts of this country, some tough parts of Southern Ontario, Southern Ontario. The fact that we are at the number one and two, anybody, and I know you're a fan of the, of the of the police chief, and I know her hands are tied, and I don't know her very well at all, so I'm trying not to place judgment, but they should be laying awake at night because when you go one and two in those jobs or one and two in those rankings, people need to lose their jobs. And and I don't and I and I whether it's Colin whether whether Colin can affect change or not, it doesn't appear that he's trying, and that's the and that's the part, you know. And, and you, you start to wonder is, is uh, because again, everyone can say, okay, it's, it's, uh, it, it's falling at the feet of this other party. Like, and you also have Darren Call, who's also part of, uh, you know, the city safety director. Yep. And, and for him, that's 
that's not awesome. Nope. That's not awesome news at all. So, and that was the big focus of bringing that position in is this is what you're going to be looking after. You're going to be a, a liaison for the RCMP and, and for all people, the, all stakeholders. And, and again, it just, it seems like we, people are frustrated. And, and again, when stats come out like that, it, it really resonates across the city. And, and I, and I, you know, there's a, there's a take Kelowna back group going on or some, something Well, there's right a now. vigilante right. groups that are, yeah. And here's the thing. Those don't end well ever. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't condone them. But at the same time, I get where people are coming from. They're tired of it. And, and again, that, that has to become a municipal, um, a, a municipal election uh, mandate is, is to affect change in this area. You know, John Horgan is asking Justin Trudeau for more money. Colin is arguably always asking uh, his higher-ups for more money. And again, I would argue statistically this is not a money issue. We are taxed through the roof. And if you look at us versus any other country, whether you're looking at healthcare, the way we fund police, we're at the top of that scale. We have a bureaucracy problem. We have too many levels of government. We have too many people in jobs that don't affect change. We should be able to fund a police force in this in this community that makes it absolutely, absolutely safe to walk down the street. And frankly, I don't, I'm, I, again, I, the, you get into this level of comfort. Like I don't, I'm not overly comfortable downtown in Cologne on a Friday or Saturday night. I, I'm not, I've been much more comfortable in some of the major cities in the U S than I have in, in my own, in, in my own city. That's sad to me. And it needs, we need change to happen, but we don't need more money. We need better management bottom line. It does bring up an interesting point that we we've gotten to a it's the fastest growing city uh, in in Canada um, and and with that comes growing pains and I I get that um, I anecdotally I had a friend I play hockey with his daughter's uh, scooter was stolen from her work and basically he was on let's call it a rampage. Uh, he was going to homeless camps and he was demanding to know where the scooter was. And, and there was, uh, another fellow from the law enforcement society who was, uh, in the same room saying, you have to let this go. Like, and I, and I'm not telling you that it's not emotional. It's not terrible. And I feel badly for your daughter, but you have to know that you're going to run into the wrong part of town and it will not end well for you. Like there will be a knife produced and people, he says, and now I, I'm, I'm guessing that this is part of that conversation. You have, you put a wild dog into a fight who's never experienced domestic life. And then you put a house pet who's big and, and the feral one will win because this is all they have. This is all they know. And I do feel that way about any time vigilantes show up thinking we're going to intimidate these people that have nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> like, 100%. And, and again, I, I'm all about, I, I don't like it when, when my stuff, you know, I, it's my stuff, but Man, I, I just think the vigilante stuff is just going down the wrong path. But it, I get it, though. I get it. I mean, no, I'm with you. I also said I can't condone it, but I 100% understand it because you hit a wall. I mean, if it's, I, I listen. I, I, I mean, all uh, you know, Andre Bonley talks about you know the constant, um, constant um, t- times that they're broken into, and and not even it's not even the break-ins. It's just 
you know, it's the shattered glass and the, and the vandalism. And it's week in and week out. All I hear is that, is that, you know, oh, Andre's got vandalized again. And sure enough, last week, I'm driving down Clement at 7.30 in the morning. Look right. There's Dre standing in front of his new store, smashed glass everywhere. Nobody in sight. You know, yeah, I can see him on the phone. Like, it's mm-hmm. got to get fatiguing. You know, at some point, if you're Dre, you must think, I'm going to get a baseball bat. And 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 I'm sure that resonates, but but anarchy doesn't work either. If you, if you want to affect change, this is what you do. Go lobby your levels of government. So go... Go and lobby the municipal government say, we're not going to take this anymore. And go lobby your provincial government and say, we're not going to take this anymore. I think the problem with that is there's so many people lobbying these days that you get drowned out, right? Yeah, that's probably true. And and that might be the challenge. Because every time I drive past City Hall now, there is typically the same group. But, but I mean, there's not many days that there is not some kind of, um, some kind of, you know, something going on in City Hall about about something some group doesn't like. Uh, and again, when I was in Vancouver, this girl asked me to sign a petition because rents are too high. Well, I, again, I think it just goes on and on and on. But the reality is if you want to affect change, it can't be through anarchy. You have to go down the right. You have to go and lobby your lobby change or go affect change yourself. You can't take, you can't take the law into your own hands as much as we would all love to <laughs> on many occasions. So speaking of the lobbying, it's interesting because the BC housing minister resigned because he said it has gotten to a level of just aggression that he cannot handle. Yep. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm fearful of my family. I'm fearful for me. And I just cannot, you know, he just said it's starting to hit too close to home. And I, you got to imagine that when people are running for public office this is where it starts to get a little bit scary of like, wow, this is because uh, people are passionate about their their safety. And if they feel threatened, I mean, that's when they start to lash out to public public office. And and again, for the, the crime story, and, and this is another subject, but uh, the food bank truck has been targeted just about every other weekend where they steal the batteries, which is trying to help the homeless. Yeah, isn't it bizarre? I mean, so anyway, people get like, they get, they get frustrated and they just want to get some action going. Yep. And I'm wondering like who runs in those positions if you continue to have this much blowback? Yeah. I, I, so that in the, in the, I mean, it was kind of a sad, it's a sad story, right? That somebody's been, and again, I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah, I, I, I feel for him. I heard him speak and I thought, ah, that's a, I, I actually think he probably got into government for the right reasons and realized that most people get into government for the wrong reasons and, and maybe doesn't have thick enough skin to be there. Again, no one should have threats against their life and family. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but again, this is, this is the bigger challenge is that he can't fix it because it's not only his problem. This is a federal problem. It's a provincial problem and it's a municipal problem. And, and there's other factors in it too. There's, there's the, you know, there's, there's the social recourse of it. Like when did we make a decision? And, and I, you know, again, this is where you have to have a broader conversation that we're going to house everybody. Like what happened to go get a job? And, and so like, why wouldn't we train people? Now I will go to the point that there is a percentage and I don't know what it is, 10%, 8%. I would say based on the unemployment rate, let's just assume it's five, 5% of the population give or take, because you're going to have seniors, 
you're going to have um, some disenfranchised and you're people with diverse abilities. There is a group of people that cannot take care of themselves. Okay. We've got to take care of that group. I socially believe that, but we've got to stop telling everybody that we're going to take care of them. We've got to start going back to a model where, where we train people, they go to work, they, they have long days and they have rewards for it. You, you know, th this idea that we're going to give everybody a house is, isn't going to work. No, it's, 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 it's not. Now well, it's it, not fair, the cost of housing either. Now as you're. Has your viewpoint changed over the years? Because I know you have been a massive advocate for looking after the disenfranchised, the ones with um, any kind of mental illness or any kind of uh, drug abuse issue. Any of that? Has you, have you hit a new threshold for that? No, but that's not the. Ch I mean, again, this comes back to it. I, I, and again, it's where you. So, so what I'm suggesting is there's a percentage of the population that cannot take care of themselves, and they will always exist. Right now, we're doing nothing for them. And now again, this can this comes into the Charter of Rights of Freedoms and some of the things we can do. But in this province, you can, I, I don't know. I, I can tell. So I have, a, I have a childhood friend who I've lost touch with, but has very, 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 very sad uh, schizophrenia. I, I mean, to the point where when he is in a, when he's in a manic state, you wouldn't recognize him. Okay. Mm -hmm. We have tried for years to get him treatment and they can't keep him up. They can't keep him somewhere long enough to, to medicate him and get him thinking correctly. And the only answer is we can't hold him against his will. Okay. Mm. So he's, guess where he is? He's on the street and guess what he does? He steals and he has no idea what he's doing. And this is just a domino effect that continues. And, and again, I, 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 there is a group of people, but, but again, we're not, we think we're, we're doing them a favor by saying they have rights. Of course they have rights. They have rights to be treated um, fairly and honestly and without abuse, and they need to be fed, and they need to be clothed, and they need to be housed. But I'm not sure they have the right, unless unless they're in, in the right state of mind, to be on the street. And again, you go down this line. How many times we have no, we have absolutely no place left that treats addiction in this province. I call absolute crap on anybody that says we do. We don't. We don't treat at, we don't create, we don't, we don't have abstinence-based programs anymore. We've gone away from it. Oh, you use cocaine. Well, why don't you try alcohol? Like, come on, it doesn't work. And if you don't, if you think it does work, then tell me how we got here because we made that change in the late 2000s and it's 2021 and it's never been worse. It doesn't work. We have to create abstinence-based programs. Um, and again, how many times do you put somebody in a treatment? I, again, I, I, I'm not for jailing people. I, I'm not, it doesn't, again, it's not about British Columbia. Just look around the world. There's, there's no data that says putting people in jail is good for society. But at what point, if you've been caught stealing, okay, 30 days in treatment, which again is not long enough. So then you go, do you go for 60? Do you go for 90? What if they've been to treatment four times and they've relapsed all four times? At what point? Do we say you're not fit for society? You need you need another correctional, like like we don't have the tools today to sort out the problem we have, which all comes back to this housing crisis, right? There is a group of people that we will have to take care of always in society. Mm -hmm. There is the next group that just doesn't want to go to work, and and or thinks that they deserve more than 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 what they're working for. I we've we've got to get away from this mentality that everyone is equal and everyone's level, and therefore everyone should should all be the same. It's not, right? If you work 60 hours a week and I work 20 hours a week, why should it be equal? 
Mm -hmm. If you decide that's what you want to do, it's going to come at the uh, expense of your family. It's going to come at the expense of lots of things in your life. But if that's your choice, that's your choice. You shouldn't you shouldn't have to give 70% of it up and me 20% of it up so we're level, <laughs> right? But that's that is the society we live in today. Would you not would you not agree? Oh, like yeah. it's pretty close, right? Yeah, no, we have uh, some significant challenges and I don't know Yeah, I I I don't know in in the appetite for that change, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Switching gears a bit. Second crossing for this valley. I had uh, former chief of the <laughs> WFN, uh, Robert Louis, on, and he was saying he he believes it needs to happen ASAP. I had a potential counselor, and he says, this is ridiculous. Like, we have congestion. Uh, we have bottlenecks. If people really are caring about climate change, well, how about idling on the bridge and, and all that kind of stuff? But I, I don't know, man. Like, that's a huge undertaking. And, and – I, I just, I mean, in 20 years, maybe. Yeah. I, it feels I, like. I mean, you're not going to get, there's not an NDP or Empower today that's going to invest a dollar in this valley. So, you know, it's not happening anytime soon. I, I mean, and I, again, I think I think we'd still have our old bridge if if the Liberals hadn't had the run they had. I, and and they, that's unfortunate, but that's just a reality. You know, again, but you're you're right. It's not even like, like besides the fact we need a second crossing, which should we start planning about now, I... I said this to my spouse as we were driving out, like, why do I have to stop at every light in West Bank on the way to connect to the connector? Like, do they really think that I'm going to stop at McDonald's or buy gas because I'm forced to do it that way? It doesn't make sense, Rick. And like, what, what, but we've had this mentality, you know, again, coming home, um, you know, they've closed that visitor center where everybody stopped to take a pee and buy a bag of chips. And, and again, it's not, it's not driving people into merit, right? So, so what, you can go off the highway by seven kilometers and come back? No, all people do is, is plan, plan around it. I guarantee you merit sales are not up because of, because of the closure of that thing. Let alone why, you know, why is there not a gas station out there? Like it just, it's, when are we going to stop the social insanity? And, and, and that's what this is. Like we, even our own, again, where, forget West Side come back over the bridge and then hit every light all the way to the airport. I mean, we've got to be, if we're so concerned about things like climate, we've got to be better. And, and again, the congestion, the frustration, you know, you, you talked about how this city's growing and it, and we do not have the infrastructure here to support this city. We don't, I mean, we're at a critical mass of two hospitals. We're not even talking about it. Right. Mm. There are, there are, there are tons of pieces to this puzzle that, that, that could collapse in on us. And, and that I think is a big concern, you know, but yeah, the second crossing is, is, I mean, it's, like I said, it's just, it's not even going to be a conversation in, in Victoria until we have a change of government, but we need it and we need it now. So one idea could be, we could hire back the healthcare workers that, uh, <laughs> I mean, I just thrown it. I, I don't know, but I'm just thinking out loud that maybe that might be a potential solution, but it appears uh, Adrian Dix is on a warpath for uh, for just trying to make sure that everyone, you know, continues on. Uh, and, and I don't get it. You know, it, it feels like there's a, there's just an overture of, you know, it's a grudge. It's, a, you, it's a grudge. Have you had much interaction with our healthcare, healthcare system the last six months? Uh, anecdotally, thank goodness. I... Uh, 
I haven't, but I have enough friends that have had, yep. and and they say uh, honestly, your your best result, don't get sick, don't have anything wrong with you. In yep. fact, get off your mountain bike because if you fall, uh, you'll be in emergency for the next week. So I have, um, uh, because of some some you know first removed family members, mm-hmm. um, and and. And it's I'm not no sighted doctors, no sighted nurses, no no sighted support staff. It's absolutely collapsing on itself right now, and it, you can see it in their faces. And I feel for them. But like we have lost, we've we're 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 too far gone for it possibly to be fixed. I mean, they're so worn down and broken um, that you're not even talking to a human being anymore. They have no empathy left. And I and I and I, it's not their fault. We have done this. The government has done this to them. It is a disaster. And I don't know how it can be fixed. It's not with Adrian Dix at the helm, I can tell you that. Well, that that's what bothers me, though, is is his... And, and again, I'm trying, I'm trying desperately to look at the balance here. But it, it appears that someone who is so poor at their job has a job still. Yeah. And, th- and that's the part that just befuddles me i don't know i mean and again why not shuffle i, I mean i made it i made light of it but like you know why not shuffle it to rob shuffle it to rob Fleming? like yeah give somebody else a chance you know i i again i don't i it's time for bonnie to go like we've had enough bonnie it's time mm-hmm. we have got to make a fundamental shift it's not working this is where i go back to it you talk about when we talk about people i am for i believe every canadian should have access to health care the same access to health care okay but why can we not create not-for-profit or privatization within our healthcare? So again, I, I, you know, anybody that wasn't doesn't want to listen to this is already plugging their ears. But why do you have to wait nine months to get an MRI when you can go get one privately down here mm-hmm. tomorrow if you're willing to pay for it? But you can't use that MRI anymore. This is an NDP change that they made since being in power to get yourself any further ahead in the line to get your surgery. So no, whether you've got a diagnosis or not, you still got to wait for your MRI that would be in six months because they won't even honor the one that exists today. Yet you can get the MRI. So, so again, what now am I, am I for that only rich people should be able to get MRIs? No. My point is why as a, why as a citizen of British Columbia with a healthcare card, can you not walk an MRI image one MRI and get, and get one tomorrow? And again, why not have a set government price? Hi, we're willing to pay $650 for an MRI. If you're not willing to do it for that, you're out, right? And then and then you negotiate with private clinics. Again, I'm not sure where to say, I, let's bite off small things, but why not create urgent care centers that are privatized? And if you say, well, you can't do that. Yeah, you can, here's why, because they already exist. Okay, they're called walk-in clinics. So why not take it to the next level? And then people say, Oh, you can't, you can't have a, have a, have a hospital that offers a better meal program or a private room. Okay. Then phone your MLA because it already exists today. You can already get a privatized room if you want to pay for it. Like I, like I, it blows my mind, the hypocrisy of this government when, when you could still have healthcare. I'm not saying that it's any different for you or me or Susie or John that's on the street. Everybody has equal access, but they have access. So we start saying, we are going to let privatization pick these pick up pick up the services and 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 then we'll pay the cost. Now, I know the answer is Union Blues can say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, you're not taking jobs away from us." Well, here's the problem. It's already been statistically proven that these places 
pay more, have better benefits, have better pensions. So much is now eaten up the bureaucracies. I'm not sure the unions have the hold or stranglehold that they did, you know, even 20 years ago. You can, you can go get better. It's why nurses are leaving to go inject people with Botox. It's why nurses are leaving to work at private clinics because people are willing to pay significantly more. Private clinics are willing to pay significantly more because they don't have the bureaucracy that exists over here. There are solutions to this, but we got to be willing to actually have the conversation. And today's government's not willing to have that conversation. So if you did go to that system, you would think it would actually ease the pressure off one system, which is the current one, which is broken. But it's still one system. My point is it's still one system. You have the same coverage that I have. There's no change in that. All we're, all I'm saying is, why do I have to go to a government facility? We, why can't, a pro, why can't, so again, right now I go to the dentist. The dentist bills my insurer, okay? Mm -hmm. Right now I go to the doctor. The doctor bills the government. Right now I go to a private clinic. The private clinic bills the government. The government sets what we call reasonable and customary charges that are stated every year that says, we're willing to pay $135 for, for you to cast an arm. We're willing to pay $92 for an x-ray. Like it's not, this is not rocket science. This exists in our country already. Okay. So again, let somebody go out and see if they can privatize. Again, maybe not hospitals because we're sure not there, but why not non-urgent urgent care? Already done it, right? Then again, what, what, where we are having this ability, and again, you talked about it, like we're talking about pulling, pulling nurses out of, Adrian Dix is gonna, gonna let Taiwanese nurses come here. Okay, or how are the 2,500 you fired because they wouldn't get a vaccine? You know what I mean? And, I, and again, I, I gotta state this, every time we talk about this, I'm vaccinated, you're vaccinated, yep. pro-vaccines, again, also respect people's choices, Turns out that if you didn't get a vaccine, you're not you're not evil and you're not turning into a zombie. Can we just get over the hump and say we made a mistake? Can you guys want your jobs back? And 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 the fact that we were led down a garden path a little bit on you get the vaccine and it's less transmissible. You get the vaccine. Not true. It, <laughs> well, it's not true. Well, that, but that's what I mean is yeah. is the the data we were we were shoveled uh, is is clearly egregious. And it's wrong. So I'm I'm not even sure how even... And again, we're both vaxxed. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about what is the messaging and, and what are you trying to do? You're trying to send a message to these nurses and doctors that you've, you've pushed out. But again, the data is showing that, wait a second, it's actually not what we said it was, but we still need you to get it. And, and again, we're both vaxxed. So I, I'm just wondering... At a critical implosion of what healthcare looks like provincially right now, why would you stick to that? But it's a valid question, Rick, and I think they, we need to have answers to it. Right? We're at the end. We, we're at the end. I damn I, it. I think we've ticked off most of the population. So, well done, sir. <laughs> well done. <laughs> no, but and again, I I hope I I really do hope that anyone listening to this um, understands that you know, we get passionate, we, we speak our mind, but I don't think that's wrong. I don't think we're trying to dismiss anybody. We're not trying to, to minimize anybody's feelings or opinions or thoughts. We're just trying to have more, I think more conversations around the table. Oh, more honest conversations and more factual conversations that I think people are thinking, you know, I'm, I think 
I think everyone's so scared to make a mistake these days, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you say one wrong thing and it's like cancel culture city at any level. You don't have to be a, you don't have to be a celebrity anymore. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, lives are getting ruined because people are, are not, you know, because they won't voice their opinion. And, and again, there are some extreme opinions out there on both sides, on both sides. There is, yeah. But I think you got to have some common sense. I, I don't think anything we're talking about is, is that far off common sense, you know? No. Um, yeah. And I, and again, like I said, I, uh, I just, I thoroughly believe that uh, the more perspectives, probably the better outcome. I always appreciate having me.